Hi folks, and welcome to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess sardikoff Romola, a fellow dietitian and the owner of Empowering Dietitians, a supervision business devoted to working with dietitians just like you, who are tired of the status quo of our profession and ready to reclaim their confidence, passion, and purpose. In today's episode, I'm building off of the conversation I started last week about my week off, my staycation. Today, I want to talk about how it can be so easy to prioritize our work above all else by default without intending to. Why choosing to prioritize other areas of your life is valid and important and why I reject this idea that lazy is a dirty word. Last week, I shared that I had taken a, you know, 10-day-ish vacation, which translated to a two-week hiatus from the podcast because it overlapped two weekends, right? Today, I want to talk a bit more about why I did it, as in, what my intention for the vacation was, and also how we deal with those annoying limiting beliefs that tend to get in the way of our rest and relaxation and unplugging. I talk a lot on the podcast about how rest is not a solution to burnout. In fact, I have an entire episode devoted 100% to that topic. It's episode 84, and the title is literally, Rest is Not a Solution to Burnout. So maybe you listened to last week's episode, which if you didn't, cool, you're welcome to listen to this one, but I do recommend going back and listening to that afterwards. You can listen to them out of order. Um, But maybe you were thinking when you heard me say like, hey, I'm on the brink of burnout, and that's why I decided to take this break. Um, You may be thinking, Jess. If you said in your last episode that you were teetering on the brink of burnout and your solution was rest, but rest is supposed to not be a solution to burnout, what gives? It's true. Um, I do often recommend rest as a first step, so to speak, in addressing burnout. And that's because when our capacity is most compromised, we need to alleviate that first and foremost. So let me be clear. Rest is not the solution to burnout. It's not like as I sit here recording this on June 21st, a few days before my vacation is scheduled to start, it's not like I'm expecting to turn on my laptop on July 5th and be like magically cured and never have to worry about burnout again. There are two reasons why resting and recharging um, has become a necessary component of my personal plan to address this burgeoning burnout. Number one, Because a big chunk of my current burnout experience is a direct result of acute stressors that I've been dealing with in my life this year. Selling my house, moving in with my in-laws, losing my grandmother, all discussed in last week's episode. Those are all acute stressors. They were events that happened and then passed. That doesn't mean that they don't have lasting effects. Um, For example, moving in with my in-laws 
can be considered more of a chronic stressor in that we're going to be here for the foreseeable future and it's going to continue to impact my capacity. But the initial move, that initial big adjustment, that was acute. Acute burnout that comes from tangible one-time events, that's where rest tends to help. Because once the event comes and goes, it's not going to continue to wear on you. Um, at the very least, it's not going to continue to wear on you to the same degree that it did before. And that's when taking a step back to rest and recharge is sometimes all that you really need. That's why I, I've given this example in the past, but when I had a client who came to me super burnt out from grad school, when grad school ended and she gave herself some space to rest, she was fine. It's why another one of my dietitians who went from full-time burnout in clinical to per diem work, uh, she needed rest to recharge from that acute experience. The issue, which I discuss in episode 84, is that most burnout dietitians face isn't acute. It's not like we have a stressor and the stressor vanishes and we take a vacation and we're great. It's more like we have a stressor and that stressor is constantly chronically in our lives, affecting our day-to-day -day experience. And so we may go on vacation, but when we come back, the stressor is still there. Rest may help you feel better temporarily in those situations, but as long as the stressor exists, the burnout will be right around the corner. And to be sure, there are aspects of my current burnout situation that are more chronic than acute. So my vacation is not going to fix those aspects. That doesn't mean that rest isn't helpful at all, which leads me to reason number two, why rest is still an important component of many, if not most or all burnout recovery plans. And that's that rest helps you heal your capacity, albeit temporarily at times, so that you can face the chronic issues with more energy and bandwidth. When you're burnt out, even if you're not like fried to a crisp, right? Maybe you're just a little singed from early warning signs of burnout. When you're, when you're a bit burnt, you don't have the bandwidth to tackle root causes and chronic stressors. Those are hard. So yeah, you're going to need to rest more. That will help reduce your risk of spiraling into more severe stages of burnout. It'll essentially keep you treading water. And it may give you a little bit of energy and perspective to start addressing some of those underlying issues. In other words, we can think of rest more as a strategy than as a solution. I didn't decide to take this time off to cure myself. I did it to gain perspective. I had this epiphany last year. I talked about it a bit on this podcast because, I mean, of course I did. I think this is the closest thing to a diary I've ever kept up with. Um, not, not that you hear everything, but I do tend to tell you a lot of what's going on up in this old head of mine. Uh, but I did. I, I had this epiphany about a year ago, and it's kind of been hitting me in waves of realization ever since then. I think that's sometimes a big mistake that we make about epiphanies and our own shortcomings as humans when it comes to our own growth. Um, I know that there are people out there who have these huge light bulb moments and that's it, something clicks and their life changes forever. Like they make these huge shifts. But what I notice happening with myself and 
who knows, maybe I'm just a little slow to commitment. Uh, but what I notice happens for me is that I have this huge epiphany and, and I'll make some big changes, but then it's going to take a long time to fully become actualized. Like I need to be reminded of that epiphany multiple times. And each time I make some more changes little by little. And then later on, I'll have another reminder of that epiphany and realize, oh, wait, I still have a ways to go. Like I've got more layers to unpeel. I've got more work to do. I'm not quite there yet, wherever quote unquote there is, which is it's reminding me of a whole other conversation I want to have on here, this idea of journeys and destinations in life. And I don't know that we actually ever arrive anywhere. We're kind of just always wandering, right? But again, that's probably a whole other episode entirely. Maybe it'll be my end of July episode. Who knows? Let's get back to the point on hand. I have a feeling that this episode, we're going to have a bunch of tangents. So I had this epiphany last year that I have always been a busy person. You don't have to know me for a long time to learn this about me. I've got my hands on a lot of different pots. Another way of phrasing it is that I'm very ambitious. I'm very driven and very goal-oriented. I'm always working on something, if not multiple things. And last year, I was in grad school for mental health counseling, and I was doing some values work, checking in on my values and revisiting them the way I often do with the dietitians I supervise. And I realized... I don't actually like being an ambitious, busy person. It's my default, sure. I gravitate toward being busy. I gravitate toward working towards big goals. But that's not actually what makes me happy. I mean, maybe a little to an extent, but it's not it. I'm not a fast-paced human, but I act like one. I default to one. I gravitate toward being one because it's all I've ever known. Partly it's my disposition or it has been most of my life. Partly it's been instilled in me. After all, I'm a perfectionist and being a perfectionist means striving for excellence and success at all times. And excellence and success are often defined by ambition, hard work, and goals, at least in this society. So that's how I lived my life. And I realized it's not what I want. It's not what I need to be happy. And if anything, this default that I've developed is actually getting in the way of my happiness. When I realized that last year, it's not like I did nothing. Like I had this epiphany and then just, you know, did nothing about it. I dropped out of grad school. That was huge for me. And you can listen to the full episode, episode 33, using values when you're at a crossroads in life. Um, I outline exactly why I made that decision and a little bit more about how I came to this. So again, I had this epiphany. I changed some things in my life to better align with my values and to shift that ingrained orientation that I had toward work and goals and success. But it didn't fully click because I am still choosing work above all else. Sure, I stop working by 5 or 6 p.m. every evening with the occasional exception of when I have an evening client. Sure, I don't start work until like 9 a.m., usually after breakfast and meditation and a walk and like this beautiful morning routine that I love. And sure, I stopped working on weekends and I take a lunch break and I don't work through my lunch break. But I started to notice 
that when given a choice, I will always prioritize work without even realizing that I'm doing it. I started to explore why I do this when it's antithetical to this big epiphany that I had last year and everything that I know is important to me deep down. And I'm not sure I have the full answer. So if you can relate to this and want like all of the secrets, I don't necessarily have them, but I have some working theories. The first is that it's simply my default. Like I said, we live in a society where work is paramount to everything always. When you meet a stranger, what question do you ask each other first, usually? It's usually, what do you do for a living, right? And then at traditional jobs, we typically have to accrue time off. Um, in fact, in New Jersey, it, it actually became a law a few years back. Um, I went from having unlimited personal and sick time to having defined uh, hours of paid time off because this law required employers to award a certain amount of time off for every so many hours worked. And yes, that we can argue that that's a, that's a good thing that we need to be uh, making sure that we're not cheating people out of their time off, that, that we have built in sick time and personal time and all of that. But what this translates to, what this underlying message kind of teaches us is that we have to work first and earn the right to take a break or a time off later, right? It's always work first. Get the work done first so that you can dot, dot, dot whatever, fill in the blank. And of course, we can get into how our education system overall, especially within dietetics, teaches us this too. Work hard now, study hard now, put your personal life aside while you jump through these insane hoops to become a dietitian, right? Work first. And we're going to circle back to this concept when we talk about limiting beliefs, but it's important to recognize that this probably isn't the only reason I default to prioritizing work. And I know it's not the only reason a lot of the dietitians I supervise do too. Another big reason is that my personality type, and I don't really know if it's a personality type, um, but I'm kind of the opposite of a procrastinator. I know a lot of dietitians who procrastinate. So if that's you, you, you also do what you do for a ton of different reasons. That's also another episode. Let me know if you want to learn more about that. But um, my personality type or whatever it is that you want to call it is, I want everything out of the way so I can relax and not worry about it. I don't want work looming over me while I relax because I'll have a harder time fully decompressing when I know that there's work I still have to get done. And I've worked with a lot of dietitians who run into this problem as well. It's almost a form of perfectionism or like black and white thinking, trying to fully compartmentalize, like I have to get everything 100% done productively so that I have a perfect environment where I can rest 100%. Um, and, and it did definitely start in college, maybe earlier, uh, but I distinctly remember it in college when I was really more in charge of like my time and my schedule and my day. And interestingly enough, in college, uh, my senior year, I lived with another nutrition major and uh, she tended to come home from class and she de decompressed a little bit and then she'd start her work. And she'd usually wind up working later into the evening or night than I would because I would come home and I mean, I, I might work, work out or, or something, but generally speaking, I'd start my coursework immediately. 
I'd get it all out of the way first, and then I'd have the entire night ahead of me to relax. So again, I tend to want to take care of all of my workforce first before giving myself time to myself. And that's one of the limiting beliefs that we have to address. This idea that we need to perfectly wrap up our work in a tidy little bow before we can earn the right to rest. And we do have to deal with those pesky thoughts. Like how do we prioritize rest and self-care even if our work isn't perfectly finished? How do we address those anxieties that tend to distract us when we're trying to relax? Kind of the, those intrusive thoughts that interfere, right? Um, and that is something that I've gotten better at since college. Um, certainly something that I work with uh, a lot of the dietitians I supervise on, though clearly I could use revisiting a little bit myself, right? I think we all can. There's no such thing as being perfect at any of this. There's also a third reason that I tend to over-prioritize work, and that's that as a business owner specifically, it's really hard not to, right? I, I don't clock in or out. I don't have anyone watching my time. I don't have clearly defined start and end times. I mean, I set them for myself. I look at my schedule week to week and decide when I'm going to start and end, but they're not clearly defined. I also work from home. And like I mentioned in last week's episode, I'm currently working from my bedroom, which I do not recommend. <laughs> So boundaries between my work life and personal life get super messy if I'm not really diligent, mindful, and intentional about all of it. Also, I have to think back and recognize that I never really had great work boundaries modeled. I've worked one other full-time job. I was a supermarket dietitian for seven years before going full-time in empowering dietitians. It's definitely the only salaried position I ever worked. And at that job, I was expected to be available in my office through my lunch break. And though I was often given days off when I needed them, um, for example, for the Jewish high holidays or when my grandfather passed away back in 2014, they weren't stingy with my time off by any means, but taking a day off just because I needed, you know, a mental health day where I wasn't feeling great, that wasn't really something that happened. That wasn't a quote unquote legitimate reason to not come in. There were even days where I felt physically ill that, I mean, they'd let me go home if I asked, but it definitely didn't feel like they meant it, you know, which that's their boundary issue, not mine. If they had a problem with it, they could have said no, but it still gave off that vibe that I was supposed to push through and my personal needs took a backseat to my job. So it's fascinating that I've kind of subconsciously internalized a lot of those messages that the one like boss that I had, even though there were a number of things that I rationally consciously didn't agree with and wanted to do differently when I was my own boss, I didn't. I repeated what I had internalized. And so here we are, here, here I am prioritizing my job above all else. I saw a TikTok trend last month, maybe the end of May, about treating your job like your side hustle and your life like your full-time job. I wrote about it in my email newsletter. So uh, this may be a bit of a repeat for those of you who subscribed, but it's important. It's like a, like a follow-up to how it's going so far. So I saw this trend and I was like, this is amazing. 
this is 100% what I need, what I've been circling around for the past year, wanting to prioritize my life and not sacrifice everything for my work, wanting to be more than a dietitian supervisor, right? I wanted to be a fully fledged human and really honor who that human was. The idea is simple. When faced with a decision in our day of how we are going to spend our time or how we are going to spend our mental energy, do we automatically prioritize our work or our jobs or do we prioritize our personal lives? As you can see from this episode so far, I tend to prioritize work in my business, but it made so much sense to me. And I was like, when I read that, I was like, I'm doing this. This is going to be amazing. I am so pumped for it. <laughs> that, that's the energy that I had when I wrote the email newsletter. And fast forward a few weeks, um, I did it. I mean, a little bit. Um, and, and also, um, I also very much did not in many ways. I cannot tell you how many times when faced with a decision, I'd be like, if I were prioritizing my life right now, I would choose option A, right? Like, I know that's what I want. And that's what I need. It feels right to me. Mm, now nah, I'm going to choose option B anyway. <laughs> like what? One really concrete example is uh, a f- last a few weeks ago, last week, as of recording this last week, I was having a pretty rough week. It was the full moon. Uh, I was feeling all the feels. I was about to get my period and there was always that like one random day, usually the week before my period starts where I just am not necessarily an emotional basket case, but I cry. I cry very easily on that day. (laughs) And it was apparently that day. So uh, on this day, this full moon emotional day, I'm in the middle of my work day trying to get shit done. When out of nowhere, I received this really nice message from a fellow dietitian, just like really supportive and really beautiful and and wonderful. And I burst into tears. There I am, I'm sobbing. And not like a quick, like five minute cry, oh, isn't that so nice? And then I compose myself and feel better. No, like the floodgates were opened. And I cried for a solid like 45 minutes off and on, um, probably, but it was probably like 45 minutes. Now in that moment, I could have taken the day off. I could have said, you know what? I think I need some space. I didn't have clients that day. And honestly, like, yes, I would have quote unquote fallen behind technically on my to-do list. But the thing that I was working on that day, it's something that definitely did not have to get done that week at all. There were no serious ramifications for not doing it. Even if it meant that it would get pushed a few weeks, it would have been fine. And I recognized all of that, all of it in the moment. I literally said to myself, if I were prioritizing my life right now, I would take the rest of the day off. What did I do? Did I do that? Of course I didn't do that. I took a lunch break, composed myself, and I got the rest of my work done for the day. I really am quite unbelievable sometimes, you know, like it's hilarious. I'm super self-aware, like extraordinarily self-aware. And even me with all of my self-awareness, Sometimes I can be so thick and stubborn. This is a really long tangent, I feel like. I feel like it's taken me a while to get around to the point of this. Um, The point of this is I realized that I was not prioritizing my life for a bajillion different reasons. And I, I needed to be more mindful and intentional of my boundaries because I wasn't living a life that made me happy. 
I get, I get torn over that sometimes, especially as a business owner. Maybe if you are too, you can relate. I go back and forth between that messaging that like in the beginning of a business, sometimes you have to work harder or longer or more or at less convenient times because you need to do what it takes to establish yourself. And then you can ease up and create the life that you want, right? Like that's the hustle culture message that we hear quite a bit. On the other hand, why do we need to wait to create the life that we want? I left a nine to five job in order to have the life that I wanted, to have more freedom, to take care of myself better. And because I didn't want work to be so consuming. If I wanted to work for a hard ass boss, I would have stayed at my stable job with benefits and a steady paycheck. I don't need to be my own hard ass boss. So, so why wait? That's what I get torn between, right? Like, why wouldn't I design a business that allows me to live the life that I want right now? And so all of this is to say, (laughs) I still think I didn't get to the point. (laughs) I just keep adding to my story. This is a great episode. Anyway, all of this to say, (laughs) I wanted this staycation to be an exploration week for me. What would I do with my life if I didn't have my business to report to? What if I didn't have to work? As uh, one of my wonderful dietitian friends put it, like, if I were real housewives of New Jersey, I don't know if she used New Jersey, she may have, but if I were like real housewife style, like what would a day in the life of Jess Sertikoff or Mola look like? Don't have to work. Don't have to worry about like real life things. What lights me up? What fulfills me? What do I do with my time? Right? So what does my ideal day look like? I do this exercise with the dietitians I supervise a lot. And this staycation seemed like the ideal opportunity to not simply journal about it and fantasize about it, but actually try living it. I mean, obviously within reason, I'm clearly not a real housewife um, for many reasons. So I won't be getting on a jet and traveling all over the world in my week off. But, you know, if I, if I don't, if I'm not working, what do I do? What time do I like waking up? What kind of morning do I like to have? How much productive energy do I have in the day? And something that I didn't really touch on in this episode, I've touched on in other ones, but something that I'll have to keep an eye on outside of this one week is how much productive energy do I have in the month? What weeks out of the month do I feel most creative? What weeks out of the month do I feel most extroverted? Uh, How can I harness the ebbs and flows of my energy and my moods and my personality to lead a fulfilling life, right? What makes me happy? What makes my life full? And rather than kind of just doing business the way that I always do business and trying to fit these things around it, how can I build my business around these insights? How can I make my life the first priority, and then design a business that works within that, right? I definitely need different boundaries professionally. I know that. And those boundaries will absolutely help me with this more chronic burnout that I've been feeling on the horizon. But I don't necessarily know exactly what those boundaries need to look like. I don't necessarily know what projects in my business I want to devote my attention to. Because I don't necessarily know 
what my ideal life looks like. So this is one step that I can take to start to get more clear about that. The one thing I do know is that this busy, fast-paced person I've been most of my life, it's not someone I recognize anymore. I don't feel connected to that way of life. I am a slow-paced girl. I was actually talking to another dietitian friend, and she was like, girl, I listen to your podcast on like 2.5 speed. Um, shout out to Celestina. She's going to be a guest on our show later this year. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a slow-paced girl. I talk on this podcast kind of slowly. I like If I'm in an exercise class, I guarantee you I'm going to be the last one to finish my whatever burpees, sit-ups. I, I haven't done an exercise class like that in a while, but when I used to, like, I was always the last one finished, not because I was taking breaks and like pausing, but I just like moved slowly. I don't know. I feel more grounded when I slow things down and I'm not rushing from one thing to the next. A lot of this is tied up in perhaps one of the biggest limiting beliefs that we tend to have with our work. And that's that being lazy is a bad thing. I go back and forth between saying like, laziness isn't a dirty word and like laziness doesn't exist at all. <laughs> it's a, I don't know which way I like better, but laziness, if it does exist, it's not bad. The only reason that laziness has a bad connotation, because in this white supremacist capitalist society that we live in, the system wants us to feel guilty for putting our personal lives and needs before our jobs. Seriously, that, that's it. We look at other cultures that don't value kind of hustle culture above all else, and we label them as lazy, but they're not lazy. They simply value different things. And quite frankly, I'm pretty sure they're onto something. You're not lazy. I'm not lazy. Maybe we just value different things. Or if we are lazy, maybe it's time we reclaim that word, right? That's a big thing that I've really had to come to terms with over the past year, that whatever we refer to as laziness is not bad. And in fact, I think I actually really love it. Some of my favorite words are like linger and languid, and they all surround this idea of like pleasant slowness. I find them so beautiful, this kind of reveling in a different pace and straight up not working all the damn time. That's what I want. And if that means that I'm lazy, then maybe I am lazy. But it sure as hell isn't something I'm going to feel guilty about. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoy these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with your dietitian friends. And if you listen on Apple Music, leave a rating and review. This helps the podcast reach more dietitians so that we can really create a collective of dietitians who feel confident and connected both to their work and each other. 
you are not alone. And as always, if you're looking for that extra level of support, check out my Empowering Dietitians Supervision Services at www.empoweringdietitians.com slash individual dash supervision. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash individual dash supervision.